All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the TNC Show. Uh, it's the four of us again with Chase Hub, Nate Schuster, Chase Johnson, and myself. Um, this is a night, late night one as it's 11 o'clock here in Iowa, and I don't know how any where all of you all from that listen to the podcast. So here's Central Time. It's 11 o'clock, but um, let's talk about the Final Four and title game. Uh, so first things first, let's talk uh, the Kansas-Villanova game. Um, Huff, why don't you take this one away? You're a big Villanova guy coming into the Final Four. What did you think of this Kansas-Villanova game that happened here in the Final Four? Uh, Kansas came out firing, man. Uh, they looked like the more – they looked like the, the team that wanted it more. I mean, I would give the experience to Villanova, but Villanova not having Justin Moore really hurt him and not really having any size really uh, really hurt them down the stretch as McCormick dominated the game. Um yeah, it was a great season for Villanova. I mean, Gillespie ended it in, a, in the right spot. He ended it in the Final Four. Ended his great college career in the Final Four. So uh, nothing to be nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Villanova Wildcat. So uh, it was a great game. They just ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw there. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that kind of happens in the Final Four. I mean, you got to in the tournament, especially you can't have one night off. And if you have one night off, you're going home. So that's kind of what happened. And also then how. Kansas just came out of the blocks quick, and once they're out of the blocks, it's hard to slow them down. But, Schuster, uh, let's direct this one to you. What would you think about this uh, North Carolina-Duke game that was really being looking forward to? The first time they've ever played in the tournament. And Mike Krzyzewski's, uh last year, and North Carolina sends him home. And with that rivalry, that's one way for North Carolina to do it. What would you think about this game? Good riddance to Duke and Coach K. Rest and piss. Um, to start. Um, and, I mean, like I said, power of the stretch big man. Brady Manick really made a difference in that game. Baycott dominated the glass. Didn't really do much scoring, but Caleb up at a couple dagger threes at the end. And, I don't know, Duke just – they had some weird defensive possessions, and you really just relied on Mark Williams for everything down to the post, and you couldn't really do that because Theo John – being your backup is just terrible. So that's what yeah. I get. John, what did you also think about this Duke North Carolina game? Uh, I thought really uh, for Duke, Mark Williams getting in foul trouble was really the end of him. Uh, he only played 17 minutes, and then we pretty much saw Baycott uh, take over that game on the glass, and uh, Caleb Love and Brady Manning just made big threes when they needed to. And uh, – yeah, I don't know. Duke was really stale on offense in the half court, uh, pretty much relying on Bancaro, and uh, he couldn't really get it going. But, yeah, I thought Coach K honestly got out coaching that game. He kind of failed to make adjustments, and uh, North Carolina got it done. Yeah, 100%. So, moving on with the Final Four then. Uh, oh, can I, can I add something to what John just said right there? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I really think Coach K has been getting out coached by almost every coach the last few years. Like, it's really showing. Like, I think you made a really good point saying that because he really doesn't do much in terms of X's and O's anymore. He just gets five-star guys that will leave in a year. That's my opinion. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. And even if you, like, look in the huddles, like, during the, like, timeouts of Duke, it seems like all the assistant coaches are, like, drawing stuff up, talking to players. And, honestly, Coach K just kind of stands in the background. That's what – at least. And that's why they're like the reason that they struggle with X and O's is, is because the assistant coaches are doing it. And there's a reason why they're assistant coaches because they're not good enough to actually be a head coach. 
and Coach K was just riding on the fact that his name is Shashevsky towards the end of his coaching career. That's understandable, and you can kind of tell at the end of his career he was pretty burnt out. So. That's the same with Roy Williams. I mean, Hubert Davis just made the Final Four with national title runner-up with the exact same roster outside of Brady Manic that they had last season. So maybe Duke yeah. will blow up next year, but maybe they'll win the title. But I think he held them back from their true potential. Very well could be a possibility. Very well. But – with that, North Carolina gets the win. Kansas gets the win. They meet here in the tugging, and we just got done watching it, and what a hell of a game. I mean, first off, Kansas comes out of the blocks. Looks like they're about to really take control of the game, and then North Carolina just storms back. Kansas goes scoreless. North Carolina has a big 15-point lead at halftime, and here comes Kansas in the second half and makes it a game and ends up winning the ball game, And really, it kind of – Probably one of the better championship games I've seen besides, like, Villanova, North Carolina with Chris Jenkins obviously hitting that game winner. I mean, that's one of the top championship games I've ever watched. But this is definitely one for the books, if I had to say. What do you think about that, Huff? I thought it was an amazing game. Uh, Just the up and downs of the game. Kansas came out of the blocks early, like you said. Abaji hit an early three. uh, And then they established McCormick early. And then – Hubert Davis really made some adjustments and got the inside-out game going. They were getting a bunch of second-chance opportunities and taking advantage of them, and that's what really held them back in the second half. Uh, Kansas really focused on on the defensive glass in the second half, and they made they made the right plays. And UNC, I really think, shot themselves out of the second half. I think they took some dumb shots early, and it allowed Kansas uh, to get out on the run, which is what they do best. So, uh, yeah, it was a great game. Uh, congratulations to the Big 12. Big 12, baby, represent back-to-back years. Uh, but I thought it was a great overall championship game. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, definitely without a doubt. And with that being said, John, why don't you talk about your play you had for tonight? Yeah, so the bet I had tonight, uh, I really liked Kansas to win this game, but I didn't want to take them minus four, especially at the minus 110 odds. So I was kind of just perusing FanDuel, and I came across Kansas to win by one to ten at plus 172 odds. And to me, that's an absolute steal because I think everyone knew this game was going to be somewhat close. And like I said, I liked Kansas to win. And, yeah, cash it, baby. Yeah, definitely. It's actually kind of surprising to me uh, those were the odds because you're given the one to four points. But, like, really those are, like, how do I want to say it? Like, they're pretty much betting that the one to four was going to happen more than likely than the four to ten. That's why those odds were so boosted, I guess, which is kind of weird to me. Well, I think they were – they're, like, trying to consider the – possibility of a blowout but i think everyone knew that this was going to be close almost every national title game is which you love to see yeah absolutely love to see and uh i really got nothing else to say on it huff really hit the spot on the game schuster do you have anything to add for this title game i'm actually going to disagree with that with what i've said i think this game was absolutely horrendous i mean it was close but it was ugly i mean if you look at these shooting stats I mean, granted, the posts played really good, but the guards absolutely mucked this game up. The only guard that actually played any good, in my opinion, was Reverend Martin, and that's why Kansas won. 
I mean, you're looking at – I don't see a single guard outside of Martin that shot over 50%, and you had Love and Davis shoot like 10 of 50. Like, that's just bad basketball. And I guess that's how Carolina plays, and they controlled the pace for the first half. But I don't know. It was It was a good game, but it wasn't a pretty game. And I like – I mean, I'm an NBA guy to begin with, so. Schuster, I'm not saying it was a, like – great game by both teams i'm just saying like it was a very entertaining oh yeah it was it was entertaining but god it was ugly i thought the i thought the post played well like i mean baycott Baycott shot his free throws well he rebounded well yeah the the post played well but i mean there's there was only two or three like even manic like manic didn't get enough looks to me and baycott really only went baycott went three for 13 like if he doesn't make his free throws though the game's not even close. He shot the ball. He shot the ball well from the free throw line. Yeah, and I guess I'm kind of just pissed off because I had minus four and Agbashi goes three for eight. Player of the year candidate from the Lions, absolutely atrocious. UNC yeah. four. Thank you, Dewan. Thank you, Dewan. Those free throws were beyond me. Three for eight. He's what is he shooting on the year for the free throw line? I'm looking right now, but just bef- then we can move on. But I'm I'm surprised CJ doesn't know that. Seventy seven percent. Yeah. I'm not just going to know that at the top of my head. Dude, you love Ochai, man. I figured you knew his percentage. I know. I, I hope Sheba gets player of the year now because of that game. He should. Yeah. Just Probably. a disgrace. <laughs> but game Congrats was close. Congrats to Devon Harris for losing me $15 and winning a national title. <laughs> <laughs> Going one for five. Hey, hey, the game was close. It was entertaining. That's what the people want to see. Just, you can, it's better than a 20-point blowout. Better than last year's, Natty. Yeah. Was yeah good for Baylor rocks. That was good for my wallet. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. But I got but, a question for you guys. What do we think about Kansas's depth? Oh, my gosh, man. Remy played well. I'll admit it. Other than that, though. Lightfoot is a fuck. Lightfoot's a liability out there, dude. Realistically, you could say with this game that Remy Martin is just a starter that comes off the bench. Exactly, he is. No, he and, is. And Dewan he Harris is a bench is. player. Yeah, no, that's true. They, but they. I do that I just think Re- I just think Bill Self does that because he wants bench scoring. He wants to be able to rotate and realize that this guy can be alpha dog when he's on the court, and then Ochai and Braun and McCormick can do their thing when. Remy's off the court. Exactly. Duan's a good player, though. Like, he's a good starting point guard. Like, he's really not going to kill you, and he just kind of, you know, only does time, the job. Only time he kills you is when he makes threes like he did in the Final Four game in the semis. Or if he steps out of bounds. And I yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he gets roofied tonight at the bar. Fuck Jeez. <laughs> Dude, that's just unbelievable. I, gotta, I take that. I take that back. But I'm God. I'm livid at him. Dude, how do you not he, know where you're on the on the court? Like he had like five feet to the left. Dude, he stepped out not only once but two or three times. God, could have just stopped and called a timeout. You could have, but you don't think that in a national title game. Yeah, apparently you don't think at all. <laughs> all right, I'm done. All right, all right. I'll shut up. Um. Let's move on to this next little segment here. Iowa State fans love listening to this podcast. Huff, I know your opinion on this guy. What do you think of this new Iowa State transfer? I think this is a great pickup. Uh, I watched a couple 
uh, at uh, the whatever conference he's in, the American. And the kid's a lockdown defender. He's a six-five guard. Uh, he can defend the wing. He can defend. He can even defend the post a little bit. Um, he's he struggles shooting, but he fits right into our scheme uh, defense. And he's a very versatile player on offense. He can get to the rim. Uh, and he's from Chicago, so uh, him and his buddy Tyrese Hunter will be able to play together next year, which I saw in his Q&A, which he's very excited about. Um, I think this is a great pickup for Iowa State. I think he'll fit in really, really well, and uh, I hope he gives some gives us some great minutes next year. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Schuster, John, do you have anything to add on this guy? John, you go first. Uh, I mean, we had three uh, scholarships to fill – via the transfer portal. And I mean, this guy's, you know, he's a redshirt freshman, so he's got three more years of eligibility. Um, I think it's a good get for us, especially like for the future, if we want him and Tyrese to be our backcourt, but he does a little bit of everything. And I think like Huff said, if he can, you know, get a consistent jump shot, because that's really what Iowa State needs. So hopefully in our other two uh, transfer gets, one, we get a big man and two, we get like a knockdown shooter. That That's my wish list, but I'm, Pretty happy with uh, getting Jeremiah Williams. And by the way, for all you listening, this guy that we're talking about, his name is Jeremiah Williams. He transferred from Temple. Yep. Yep. Uh, Thoughts, Schuster? I think he fits perfectly with Iowa State. Exactly what we need. Another wing that's a streaky shooter. I'm kidding. Uh, I think he's good. (laughs) I think he'll be a good replacement for um, uh, Isaiah. I mean, you get him him in the building for – hopefully three to four more years, but um, I don't know. I'm with Johnson. I think they need at least one more post. Um, I think they're hoping that a guy like Eli King or Demarion Watson or even Lipsy could be a shooter coming in. So I would really look for them to add two posts in the portal because I don't know how you go into next season with Best case scenario, Robert Jones being your backup uh, five man. So I'm starting five man. <laughs> no, be- best case, you'd be backup because we would get, yeah. you know, some whoever the guy who just transferred out of the Ohio Valley. Um, I think he's a more at stake kid. Broom? Yeah, sounds right. We could get him. That would be amazing. He's a He's a stud. Yeah, but we just need somebody that can shoot from the elbows because that's where most of our offenses run out of. And you can't have guys like that who can't shoot standing on the elbow because it'll just muck up the paint and make it hard to score. So, what do you, what do you think about Jazz Koontz coming back? He's a four man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I'm just. No, it's it's, it's good. Like we need we need somebody that can shoot. He can shoot. He needs to shoot more probably, but. Yeah, it's hard for him to get his shot off though, low key. I think it just needs to be. I mean, next year. Another year comfortable in the offense. Ball might move a little quicker. I mean, Isaiah was really ball dominant. He took a lot of dribbles in this offense and kind of slowed everything up, if I'm going to be respectfully honest here. So maybe these guys will snap it around faster and maybe play with this North Carolina team where you're getting guys like Brady Manick, who could be like Aljaz Koontz could be similar to that role. role. So Yeah. 100% would agree. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I said that wrong. No, you're all right. But that's really all we got for Iowa State transfers. I mean, nothing's really happened yet. Nothing crazy. But transfer portal, though, is there's a lot that's kind of happening. I mean, we got names in there like Brandon Murray, Terrence Shannon, um, 
Brazil or Brazile, however you say his name. Uh, yep. He committed to Arkansas, but was from Missouri, I believe. Yep. Yep. And then uh, you got that Fardaz Amacock, if you know that guy from Utah Valley. He's also in the transfer portal. I mean, there's some big names <clears throat> that uh, have put themselves out there. And it's, I mean, it's every year. Like Adam Miller, Devin Carter from South Carolina. Like, I mean, these guys are good. Um, but the one thing that we like to talk about, I mean, first off, like South Carolina, LSU, Murray State, I mean, these guys have cleared house. Like, it is insane. If we want to talk about clearing house, LSU. Yeah, one player on their roster right now. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, Murray State's not much better. Um, South Carolina is also, I don't think, much better. They have like four or five that have entered, entered the transfer portal. This is just crazy, and this is the conversation we get back to, how it's, I mean, free agency and people can just leave whenever, but, and, like, it causes, I don't know necessarily know if it causes problems, but it's almost, I feel like it's almost too much leeway, if that makes sense. What would you guys say? Um, I'd like to say something. I think all three of those situations are very different, so with the LSU situation, they're probably going to be ineligible from the tournament for at least two seasons. So I don't think you can really punish those kids for leaving. I would stay. Would you stay to go be a rebuilding team? That's probably not going to get any good recruits for two years. And they'll probably be bottom feeders in the sec. I would. Yeah. Point. And then South Carolina and Murray state. I mean, Steve's probably going in there trying to start fresh and, they just came off a good season, and some of those kids are probably thinking, I could probably shine somewhere else in a bigger school. And honestly, it might be better for Steve if you can just say, I came in here with my guys, and I'm going to do it my way, you know? Maybe those guys don't want to be a part of that. And yeah. I really don't know what the deal is with South Carolina, but, I mean, they weren't exactly very good last year either. And that's really not that many guys to leave because, I mean, Iowa State's got three, maybe four, and we made the Sweet 16. So I guess it's – the key, the key though, is how good these guys are. Oh yeah, some like some of those Murray State kids average like two points a game. Well, I'm saying, but like these South Carolina guys, like it was their best players leaving. Oh okay. And like LSU, I mean, well, obviously it's their best players and some of their not so well players, considering only one player is left on the roster. It's just. Crazy. I mean, this guy from Murray State averaged 18 a game plus eight rebounds a game. KJ Williams, he's just nuts. You know what I mean? Back to back to that South Carolina. I'm pretty sure Frank Martin got fired, so I think that's a big reason why a lot of them are leaving. Oh well, that's same at LSU though too. Also, was that coaching change and the sanctions? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's unbelievable how fast things can change, and it's like. It is kind of like NFL and NBA free agency. I mean, every year in college basketball, there's new big names everywhere. Kind of makes it fun, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And and, it, and I will say this. Sometimes it's the best thing for the player. Sometimes it's the worst thing. I mean, Johnny Juzang is a great example. Brady Manick is also another great example. Great idea to transfer away. Other times you have people transfer, and it turns into – well, nothing really, basically. I got a question for you, Taman. Yeah. What would you say Joe Yasufu's transfer? Do you think that's a successful transfer? Bench player on a national title team. 
Going from mid major Drake. Yeah. Um That's tough. I mean, it kinda depends on you as a person, I feel like. But really, like, if you look at it now, him leaving Drake, he's not missing out on anything really at Drake. Because they weren't that good this year. Yeah. And so he's not missing out much there. And in my opinion and in probably his opinion, I think you're taking a ring over anything. I was I was going to jump into the same thing. I mean, how many times can you say you've won a national title? Yeah. I think you take a ring over anything. And even if he didn't even like play, I mean, he did contribute midway through the season with injuries and stuff and actually did get some quality minutes. And I know it's probably not like the minutes he wanted, like, especially with like tournament time and stuff coming around. But I mean, you're part of a championship team and you always have that behind you, I guess. So I think you take that. That's just my opinion though. Because I, I would agree with that. And I also think he'll probably be in the rotation next year if he decides to stay. But he could also transfer again. But Martin's going to be gone. and He played I'm, well, though. I think Yusefu played well when he got the chances. Yeah, you really wonder what the issue was there. But they didn't really play any of their freshman guards or players in general that year. They were all veterans. Yeah, and, and it's hard to play everybody when you have that many veterans. Yeah, they're really deep. Yeah, exactly. So, well, Huff, let's move on to your little segment here. Uh, You got um, about three, four-minute talk. What's your talk here on the Masters? Just kind of talk over it with Tiger Woods and your picks quick. So, uh, this is the best tournament uh, of the year Uh, for all you golf fans. uh, Wednesday, the Part 3 Challenge starts. uh, Amazing course. And the GOAT's back, Tiger Woods. Uh, I mean, as a sports geek, I am, uh, just seeing Tiger Woods back on the course is going to be something amazing to watch. Uh, and it's going to be spectacular to see him, uh, tee off on Thursday morning. So I'm super excited. Um, the field stacked this year, like always. Um, and I got some picks for you guys who I think who have a legit shot to win. Uh, my first one, I'm going to take it. Somewhere near the top of the board is Colin Morikawa. Um, kid's an absolute amazing ball striker. Uh, his odds right now are plus two thousand. Um, best iron player in the uh, in the association of PGA. Uh, he does struggle around the green though. Um, but if he does get his irons going early and puts him about eight feet, his birdie putts are down or are fortunate to go down. I hope. Uh, I took my, I took Morikawa at plus two thousand. Uh, another one that I really love is Jordan Spieth at plus twenty two hundred. Um, I mean Spieth in the Masters. What else can you say? Uh, the guy always plays well here. Uh, strikes the ball good. Amazing around the greens. Uh, it's hard to not bet Spieth. And then uh, two guys that I'll take down at the bot, like towards the middle of the range. Uh, one of them is Adam Scott at plus fifty five hundred. Uh, the guy's just absolutely turned on his putter this year. Great iron player, great driver of the ball. Uh, if he's able to knock down some putts this week, I really see him winning this tournament. I really do. Um, and then my final one that I like is Terrell Hatton. Uh, some of you guys that listen to this podcast probably don't really know who he is, but he has a great course history here. Um, strikes the ball well, amazing putter. Uh, me, when I like to 
back golf. Uh, I like taking great putters. Um, so that's another reason why I really like Trail Hatton. Very good around the greens. Very good ball striker. Um, advice, I do not recommend betting Tiger. Um, his odds just aren't good enough. Um, it's going to be amazing just to sit down and watch him, though. I'm super excited. Uh, two guys that I would personally fade if you're going to bet this tournament. One, Victor Hovland. Uh, horrible around the greens. Uh, he's just in terrible form as of late. And another one is Roy McIlroy. Uh, I watched him play at the Bolero this week on TV, and he could not hit a fairway, could not make a putt. So those are the two guys that I'm fading. But, um, yeah, it's the best week uh, of the year for golf, and I'm super excited. Can't wait for Thursday. Yeah, that's coming from the man himself, the, gol- the golf expert, the guy who knows it all. So that's good stuff there from Huff, and we appreciate it. Okay, Huff, I got a, I got a question for you. What's up? All right, I got three golfers that I personally like. This is just – I probably won't bet, but I'm just wondering what you think about them. Uh, Xander Shoffley, Zalatoris, and uh, Justin Rose. I'll start with Shoffley. Um, I personally – I like Shoffley. Um, a lot of the experts that I listen to do not like him. He's in horrible form as of late, but – I think Shoffley's a great bet this week. Uh, great putter, great driver of the ball. It's just going to come down like every Masters does, is just making putts and executing the par fives, which he does. Uh, so I think Shoffley's a pretty good lean if you were looking to bet him. Uh, I absolutely love Xander. I mean, not Xander. I love uh, Zal Torres. Uh, he's arguably my favorite golfer on tour. Young, up-and-coming star. Uh he had his debut here last year. He got second, and he actually kind of choked it away. But, um, yeah, I think Zal Torres, he's playing great as of late. Um, so, yeah, I like Zal Torres as well. And uh, you can never count out Justin Rose. Uh, Justin Rose is a veteran who's played here plenty of times. He always seems like he's up around the top of the leaderboard throughout the first two days and then kind of fades and shoots about even or one over on the weekend. But, um, yeah, you – you can't stay away from Justin Rose. Uh, so I like him as well. Yeah, I was I was thinking uh, Justin Rose is always creeping around like three or four. He's usually never holding the lead. but He's always at the top in the first two days, and then he'll just kind of fizzle out and end up being like top 15, top 20. But I like Justin Rose. I got one more question. Can I bet on like where they finish? Like yeah, you can bet on like 25 or something like that. You can bet like top 20s, top 30s, top 10s, all that stuff. Okay, and yeah, maybe I might put something in then. Perfect. Love the questions. Some some good stuff. Love you guys can bet some golf, huh? Uh, John, you're being a little quiet over there. So for this next uh, segment here, why don't we get your get your ass in here, huh? So I'm ready for this segment, the little trivia. No, 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 no. <laughs> we got a quick NBA uh, standings preview here. Quick, just, All right. just a little bit. And, what, from what I hear, just a little birdie told me, maybe you fell through the grapevine, something like that, but I heard you're not really too fond of these Phoenix Suns, huh? I am not. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think they're good. I just uh, never really been a fan of the Phoenix Suns ever since the uh, 2021 uh, Western Conference first-round matchup against the Lakers. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the Lakers right now are actually sitting at 11. And then you got the Spurs, the Pelicans. Well, the Pelicans just got two on them. 
the Spurs, Pelicans, and Clippers are all 10-9-8, and then you got the T-Wolves at 7. And honestly, this Western Conference has kind of been jumping around. Like the Warriors, um, Grizzlies, and Suns are pretty set. But, I mean, actually not the Warriors are set, but the Warriors, Mavs, and Nuggets right there for the 3, 4, and 5. Or and even the Jazz. Jazz at 6 and T-Wolves could really all jump around. Uh, anything can really happen here and. Do you really? I mean, you really don't know where anybody's going to end up, but what do you think? In the best case scenario for the Lakers, how about just because you're a Lakers fan, where how would you want this to end up? The Lakers, man, let's uh, let's not try and convince ourselves otherwise. Their season's over. Um, but I didn't uh, know if you'd give them a little bit of hope with AD back. No, because they uh, the Spurs are two up on them and the Spurs have the tie break on them, so the Lakers would have to finish three games better than them over the last four. So that's not going to happen, especially the Lakers got to play the Warriors again. Uh, They got to play the Nuggets again. It's just not going to happen. But I would say, so the play-in set, uh, I'll just kind of talk about the play-in here. Um, I think the Wolves will beat the Clippers in the 7-8 matchup. And I think the Clippers will beat the Pelicans in the uh, – or I think the Pelicans will beat the Spurs in the 9-10, and I think the Clippers will beat the Pelicans in the uh, eight, like eighth-place playing game. Yep. And then the T-Wolves would have to face the Grizzlies, and the Clippers would have to face – or the, the Clippers would face the Suns. I think um, that's a good matchup for the Wolves, uh, the Grizzlies. Um, I, I – Watch the Wolves a lot with Huff. Obviously, Huff's a Wolves guy. Uh, I think the Wolves could give the Grizzlies some trouble um, just because of Cat's ability to uh, pull Adams out of the paint. And uh, I don't know. I just The Wolves like to run, get out and run, um, you know, speed up the Grizzlies, make them play faster than they want to. So I'm not saying I'd pick the Wolves to win that series, but I think as for uh, Suns Clippers, uh, like I said, I don't like the Suns, but – Come on, man. The, the Suns are winning that series in four or five. They're just too good, especially if they got their big three healthy. And even Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, those guys all make big shots. Campaign off the bench. Like, that that team is so well constructed for not having a true superstar. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Here's a question for you. So, the Jazz and the Nuggets are kind of fighting for this 5-6. And the Warriors being the three-seed – as a war, if you are a Warriors fan, would you rather be wanting to play the Jazz or the Nuggets? Honestly, I would rather play the Jazz. And we just saw the Warriors make a twenty-plus point comeback on the Jazz um, a couple nights ago. The Jazz are in complete turmoil. I'm sure everyone's seen the whole Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert drama. Um, it just really seems like no one on that team wants to play with each other. And speaking from a Warriors perspective. I think um, the Warriors struggle against teams that have an actual, um, like, functional big, like, obviously, Jokic. Um, I don't think they would have an answer for him. So, if if I'm the Warriors, I definitely want to play the Jazz. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's move on to the East here for a little bit. And Schuster, obviously, this is where I come to you being a Bucks fan on the Eastern Conference side. Uh, but you got the Bucks here tied with the 76ers at the 3-4, and four, and – if they get that four seed, most likely they'll be playing, well, it could be the Bulls or the Raptors, honestly, but let's just put it into perspective here. If you're a Bucks fan, would you rather have them playing the Raptors or the Bulls? Um, The Bulls, easily, but I'd be okay with either. They could also move up to the two seed. They're only a half game back of that, so 
Yeah, that's also possible. They could definitely get one from the Celtics as well. And if that happens, most likely they're facing the Cavs. So, which I would actually prefer the. I don't know. Um, I think I'd prefer to face the Raptors the least, actually, because I think they're just a weird team. And I have a lot of trauma from Fred Van Vliet shooting 80% against the Bucks in 2019 when Kawhi was there. Yeah. Um, so that was a thing. But honestly, I'd be okay with anything. I'm not really too worried as a Bucks fan. They'll probably make the finals. Here, here's a question. So the 7 and 10 playing the play-in, correct? 7 and 8. 7 and 8 play each other and the 9 and 10. And then the loser of the 7 and 8 plays the winner of the 9 and 10. Okay, so... It's po- It's possible then the Bucks could play the Nets. I That'd think. be brutal. No, that's pretty much impossible because the Bucks would have to get the two. Yeah, the Bucks. The Bucks. No, have yeah. To, they no, no, the, the, the Nets the can't one. get the seven. The Nets can't get the seven. The Bucks would have to get the one in order to play Brooklyn first round. But the Nets could get the nine, and that doesn't. That's still one. They Actually, could, no. They no, can they only get, get the. the they eight. can only get the eight. Oh, yep, you're right. Yeah, they can the, get the eight. The winner of the 7-8 automatically gets the seven. Okay, so you are you would be in the clear then. I'm not. Wait, 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 wait. I would actually – I'd rather wait, face Brooklyn. So what if, what if Brooklyn got the eight and then played in that playing game and got the seven? That's not how that I works, that's man. That's impossible. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that's how it worked. Okay, yeah. so you're in the clear then. You don't have to even worry about Brooklyn as a Bucks fan. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with the way that's looking right now because you're most like I mean, one of the one of these three teams is going to be bounced: Hawks, Cavs, or Brooklyn, and one of those teams is going to have to play Miami. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami gets bounced first round, just because they got some they got some shit going on with them too. Um, I I think the team that scares me the most out of the East as a Bucks fan is Boston. Really? Yeah. Not Philly. No, the Bucks just came back on Philly and played like absolute garbage. And it was on the road, too. I mean, and Harden played his best game as a 76er. Like, I'm not really too worried about them. Exactly. How far do you think Brooklyn makes it in this? They got to make it first, man. I don't think they make I don't think they make it. I think they will probably yeah. they'll probably beat Charlotte and then I think they I think Atlanta will beat Cleveland and then I think Cleveland will beat Brooklyn. I think that's how this is going to end up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You just can't count. Yeah, I know. Cleveland's got too much size, dude. Yeah, you got you got a point. Jared you, Allen coming back, or is he done for the year? He's he'll be back. It so honestly doesn't matter if he's back or not. So will Mobley. Have. Mobley's hurt right now. He'll be back too. Dude, this NBA right now is so fun to watch, though. In my opinion, it's balanced. And the, yeah, the Bucks just signed a guard today too. So. It's it's so fun to watch right now, and you really just can't complain. I feel like these playoffs are just going to be so fun to watch. I mean, you have Heat, Celtics, Bucks, 76ers. Those four could all very well make it out of the East. And then the West, I mean, honestly, dude, you could, you could take five or even six teams out of the West that could possibly make it. I mean, obviously the Suns are the front runner, but like, it's just so crazy what could happen. Yeah, and the Wolves too, you can't count them out. 
Yeah, I was I was gonna say I will not be surprised. I think the Wolves will actually get the six seed. I think Utah will fall into the playoffs. You think you think we're gonna get the six? I think I think you guys will get the. I I saw a couple of actually. I don't today. even know if that's. I don't yeah, know. it's possible. There's three games left, and we're one and a half out. And with our schedule left, we could easily. Oh, you have out. two. You have two more losses and one less win. Utah still has four games. Utah plays Memphis and Phoenix still, so you just got to – they could realistically lose three games out of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I would love to not stress the plan because as a typical Wolves fan, we would be the team but to get you, seven in the Do you want that, though, plans. Huh? Do you want that, though? I would want to play the Warriors if I was – I'd play the Warriors. We match up so well. With the, we match up – honestly, we match up so well with every team except Phoenix. So you would – Okay, Bill. Yeah. We just went I mean, into, I we I just went into Denver and put 135 on him. Like, we'll let we'll let Jokic get his 35 and 15 or whatever, but we'll take away everyone else. I just figured you'd rather take the Grizzlies. I'd love the Grizzlies, but I would also love to not stress a play-in game because yeah. being a typical Wolves fan, we'll probably be the seven and we'll lose both play-in games and not even make the playoffs. Yeah. So, anything can happen – I got another take too. I think Dallas is going to make the NBA Finals. Wow, that's bold. I like it though. I love Luca. Yeah, that would be actually kind of boss. Out of out of all the <laughs> all the teams that are currently in the playoffs right now, Dallas actually has the best defensive rating. That's out, out of any NBA, any team but Boston actually. So and throughout the entire league. Wow. Well, we'll definitely talk about it once it really gets close i mean obviously there's still a few games away but we'll talk about it once we get the full picture and give some predictions and stuff like that but let's get to a little new segment that i came up with uh i think i came up with it today honestly but just some little trivia for you guys so i got trivia four questions for all three of you um i'm gonna ask the question and if you have an answer just say you have an answer and then we'll like hear it and then either people can agree with you or give their own different answer as to what they think the answer is. So um, this one is obviously themed uh, March Madness because it's kind of got to be, but we're going to start off with probably the easiest question. If it gets, the questions get too hard, I'll kind of have you all work together to see if you can figure out the answer. Um, so the first question is, what is the lowest seed to win the NCAA tournament? I've got my answer. Yep. What is it? Well, I thought we're going around. No, you're good. You give your answer. If you get it right, you get it right. I'm going to say 1985, eight-seeded Villanova is my answer. You got it. I don't know how I was, I was going to say an eight-seed, too. I was going to say a seven because I know UConn won as a seven. That was actually impressive. You knew the year, though, too, John. Yep. Yeah, that's good by you. Next question here. I'm going to first ask the question, and then if you don't know, even like have a relative answer, I'll give you a couple options to choose from. So the first, I'm going to say, who is the, has the most points in NCAA tournament history for a career? Got my answer. Uh, I, got, I got one, too, but it might yeah. not be the same one. Schuster, give your answer. It's either Kareem or it's Elvin Hayes. I'm going to go Elvin Hayes. Okay, that's your answer. I'm going to tell you you are incorrect. Okay. Okay. 
John, do you got you have the same answer or do you have something else? Uh, I was going to say Kareem was one of my possibilities, but I'm going to say Shabazz Napier because he was a part of two championship runs, which means he that's 12 games right there. And I'm sure they made the tournament in the other two years. So just by amount of games, I'm going to say Shabazz Napier. Incorrect. Ah. Is, is it is it Christian Leitner? You got it, huh? Let's go. Nice. You got it. Christian Leitner. Christian Leitner has the most points in tourney history. And that that makes sense too. So yeah. this one this one might be a little hard for you guys, but we'll see if uh see if you get this one. Who won the first ever March Madness tourney ever? Got my answer. I'm gonna wait, give it a, I'm gonna give it a sec. You bet you guys better not be Googling this either. I'm not. I'm straight from my head. I'll I'll, I'll take a I'll take a guess, but just Alright, Schuster, Schuster, let it out. Uh fuck, I already forgot. Uh I'm gonna say North Carolina just because I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> nope, incorrect. I'm gonna go UCLA. Incorrect as well. What year was it? 1939. Oh, I know. Holy Cross. Oh. No. I I might get this. I might get this. It's not Holy Cross. Is what it's either Oregon or Wisconsin. Oh. You're close. you you just got to choose on now. It's Oregon. You're right. It's Oregon. Won the first ever March Madness tournament. Yeah, I knew. I knew like Wisconsin won in like '41, I think, because I live with a bunch of Badgers. Yeah. <laughs> all right, final, final one, and I'm sure you all will know the answer to this. So it's a matter of who can get the answer right first. Most recent team to win back-to-back March Madness titles. UCLA. Nope. Fuck. Florida. Yep, got it. Horfords. Yep, got it. Corey Brewer and Joachim Noah. You got? You guys want another one or what? Yeah, keep it. Keep hitting them. All right, let's let's do one more. One more. All right, I'll give you a couple more. Let's see if I can. Let's see if I can find another one. See if. See if I can. uh... Oh, here's a good one. I got to make sure this is the answer. Okay. Who has the most blocks in the NCAA March Madness game? One game? Yep, one game. Well, the year? You want the year? Yeah, otherwise yeah. it's going to be pretty hard. Yeah, let me give you the year. Patrick Ewing. Nope. Well. Nope. Hold Bill on. Russell. I'm going to find this. I'm going to find it. Just say. I got to find the year first. Dream. He put at Houston, didn't he? Yeah. The dream. Nope. So this year would be. It's not Anthony Davis, is it? 
Okay, he was at this team for three years. No, it's not Anthony Davis. And what the fuck? Why does it not say the year? Just give like an area. Give it 1990s. Actually, yeah, 1990s. I'm, I have no idea. Larry Johnson. Shaq. Shaq. Nice, Sean. Yep. How many, how many do you think he had? 14. Nope. In one game? In 18. one game. In one game. I'm going to go 11. 12. Oh, it's close. It's nuts. Nuts. That's all I get. That was just finding one off the top of my head. So that that one was kind of gay, but it is what it is. Let's see if I can find any more quick. Just because, John, I know you rock at these. I I like trivia. Fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) What's the the traditional March Madness anthem? I couldn't tell you. You don't know what it's called? Schuster, for some reason, I thought you would know this. Round ball rock. I don't know. No, man. <laughs> One shining moment. Yep. You guys didn't know that? One shining moment's overrated as fuck. <laughs> Johnson. Figured you know the answer. What? Johnson, you ready for NBA player props tomorrow? Yep. Can't wait to get back on the betting grind. Gonna rock. Um... I'm trying to think if I have any locks. If Houston plays tomorrow, if the Rockets play tomorrow, I'm sure they do. Take Jalen Green's points over. He's hit it into like his last seven or eight. He's absolutely launching. <laughs> Take Drew Holiday PRA. Okay, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. <clears throat> this is the final question. Which of these players did not play high school basketball in Indiana? Oscar Robertson. Scott Skiles, Glenn Robinson, Bob Knight. Bob Knight. Yep, you're right, man. It's a trick question. Do you know where he grew up? I know he went to Ohio State. Yeah, he grew up in Ohio. And played for Ohio State's juggernaut in the early 1960s. Schuster's just a Big Ten guru. I remember remember those teams fondly. (laughs) I'll start... I will start more podcasts. Having I'll have more trivia planned out. I'll make it more fun. But thanks, guys, uh, for joining us. And we'll uh, we'll make one. We're making one Friday, John. Yep, Friday. I'm gonna host it. Yep. We're gonna have my friend Ruben on here, and we're gonna do NFL draft stuff. Kind of review some prospects and talk about some of our team's needs, like the Vikings. Yeah. Hey, be- hey, before we end this podcast, Drew Holiday points, rebounds, assists over tomorrow. Point guards against the Bulls is always free. Drew Holiday, PRA. I agree. There you go. There's the hit. There's the hit. The boys are giving it to you. But we'll talk to you all later, and we'll catch you on another episode.